Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. Caroline, how many times have you seen a house picture where they have that big chandelier over the bathtub, mm. right? <laughs> well, that doesn't meet electrical code in the U.S. because it's a safety thing. They don't want you standing up in that bathtub, reaching up and grabbing an electrical fixture, or that fixture could come loose from the ceiling and land in the bathtub like it's the toaster <laughs> and someone's trying to knock you off. It's Around the House. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, your home improvement, interior design, healthy home source every weekend. Thanks for joining us. I'm Eric G, and we got Caroline B sitting right here in the studio next to me. Hey, hey, guys. How y'all doing? Good, good. What a week, man. It was uh, it was fun, and uh, last weekend I probably hit it a little bit too hard with hanging out with friends and barbecuing, and you were hitting the rock concert world. I love Woo-hoo. it. Oh, it was a great weekend. First rock concert back after COVID. Everybody was so excited to be there. Sticks was there and like Sticks was just you could tell they were just thrilled to have people in an outdoor concert and everybody just hanging out and just enjoying themselves. So amen to that. It was a, a good time this weekend. That is awesome. And you were dealing with bugs and I got bit on the nose by something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell them about your story. Eric had like like a whopper on his nose. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is. It's looking pretty decent it doesn't today. Look bad but, now, uh, no. it doesn't you know, look bad. it's never good when Julie walks in on Sunday after I was outside working on the fence and out doing some stuff and and I knocked something off my face. I didn't know what it was. You know, you just kind of do your thing and she goes <laughs> What happened to your face? So we're going to have to call Dr. Pimple Popper. Oh, she's I'm nasty. like, that's not good. <laughs> oh, my God. Have you ever watched that show? It's so crazy. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. She's like, you know, Julie can't watch it. But, man, you get sucked into that thing. And it's then you so wait. Gross, and, and then it grosses you out. You're like, oh, why did I watch? <laughs> it's It's that show you turn away, look at it, turn away, look at it. And the good news of that show is that they actually do. Help, help a lot of people, yeah. out, which is awesome. She seems like a really good doctor. Like she does. She seems like she's really caring. Yeah, she's got it. <laughs> well, I wanted to talk today. You know, we've been talking about so many different subjects in the show. I wanted to talk about today one of those things that that really get people rolled up, right? That kitchen, because it's probably one of the most expensive remodels if you were going to pay a contractor to come in and gut it, right? It's that, you know. I think the average in the United States right now for a simple, fairly low budget kitchen model, having a contractor coming to do is about 66,000 bucks. 
Yeah. Pretty and expensive. I think, I think we dread it, right? Like to me, my house, I'm always dreading the kitchen because it seems like the biggest expense, high ticket item that you're going to do. And you know, you can't just kind of piecemeal it. You feel like if you're going to do one thing, you kind of got to do the whole thing. Absolutely. And you think about it, the average lifespan for a kitchen is about 15 years. And so once you get beyond that, um, now you start thinking about, okay, do I want to replace it? Do I want to give it a little kick and make it look good? Or what do you want to do, right? Well, and also from a water standpoint, I usually tell my clients 20 years max. Like if you've got a kitchen that's over 20 years, you need a remodel just from condensation that happens. Your water sources are there. You're going to get a leak in something, whether it's a dishwasher or refrigerator, right? So yeah, everybody's mm-hmm. due. If you're 20 years or over, you need to start doing a remodel, but we're here to help. Let's give them some good ideas. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that, that when I'm thinking about you know, dressing up that kitchen and making it look good. And you want to do something on a budget. Maybe you've only got a couple years left in this house and you're like, okay, I want to, my game plan is to move in two years or three years. I don't want to put a kitchen remodel in because, you know, if you look at what the cost versus value is, many times that new kitchen isn't going to give you in a short term that full payment back. You might only get 70% of the money back on that, depending on your situation. So you kind of want to pay a little homage to that kitchen and say, okay, what can I do to make it look nice? And especially if you've got just a few years in it, it's one of those things that's good. So cup cabinets is a big one. So what's like some cheap ideas that you could do to make it look better? I mean, obviously like, like changing the color, right? I mean, coloring, changing the color or what do you think about that? Yeah, Painting is one of them right there. So if you think about, If you're having to, you know, paint that kitchen out, you've got that, maybe that oak kitchen or whatever else that's there. One of the big things that I recommend to people is if you're going to paint it out, great, but it is a detailed process. You are not going to walk in even a small kitchen on a Saturday morning and say, you know, I'm going to paint the kitchen today because (laughs) usually you're going to have the entire weekend spent cleaning it, degreasing it, get it all dialed in before you even get a chance to paint it. So what's the process on that? So if you're going to take, let's just say you decide, okay, we're going to just refresh our cabinets because that's, you know, obviously that's cheap, right? I mean, you've got paint involved. What else is really an expense with that? Well, you're going to have hardware, you know, you're going to have cabinets and hardware basically within that. And so what I say is you need to go through and degrease the whole thing, you know, get that, you know, cloth in the, in, in some Dawn detergent and a, and a damp rag and really just degrease everything. Get it as clean as you can. And then second of all, you're going to tear it apart. You're going to take the doors and drawer boxes out. So you basically have to move out of the kitchen, but you want to get as much, you know, some of the worst things in the kitchen on that finish is actually the oil from your hands. And so if you've got that 20 year old cabinets that didn't have handles and knobs on them, you're going to have a lot of time cleaning that oil up out of there. So you want to get that really cleaned up. Then you're going to have to sand them and get them scuffed up a little bit so the the primer can stick to it, and then you're going to paint it. But it, there's a lot of detail to it. So how do you know when you've got enough of the oil off? Like, So if you're looking at your, you know, these are for people who, like myself, right, maybe who've never done a DIY on a kitchen and they want to just refresh in the cabinets. So how do you know you've got the oil off enough? Like, are there any gauges that you can give us or tips so that we know how to be successful? 
yeah, a lot of times you can just look and see how the water reacts to it. You know, grease loves to repel water. So if you take it across the top and it looks kind of like the waxy surface on your car, then you might you might still have some oil there. But the the trick is though, is it can also look like, you know, it can also look like that that's the finish as well. So what I recommend is just getting, you know, getting Dawn. Uh, there are some commercial degreasers out there that you have to use that outside or you're gonna need to bring in some fresh air for that, for that painting space in there for the proper prep. But really nice, clean white rags that you have it will show up as dirt. It's not going to be a clear grease most of the time. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be the, that's going to be the thing that helps. Now, the problem is, is if you used other stuff, you're going to have to use maybe a little bit more of a silicone remover, because if you've taken some of those cabinet cleaners that have that you can buy at the grocery store, the home improvement store, that's made to give that luster back to it. That's some of that stuff has silicone in it, which gives it a really cool gloss. But the problem is, is silicone loves to fisheye paint. Yeah, you can't you can't paint over it. It'll repel the paint. Exactly. So that's when you have to go through and maybe get a more automotive grade grease wax and silicone remover to wipe everything down right before you uh, you prime it. But if you use a good primer, that's going to help you there. In case you didn't get it all off, that primer will still do a pretty decent job if you missed a little bit of an area. But it's one of those things you got to be really careful with because. All that prep work is going to define how the rest of it looks. And it's going to make a difference between this looks awesome to, wow, this doesn't look good at all. So do your prep work. It's like you're not going to just go in and paint the cabinets and decide on a, on a given Sunday, hey, we're starting this project. There is a lot of priming that has to be done and prep work. You got it. And uh, a, a prep, when you prep it, get a real primer, the whole paint and primer thing. No, no, no. And actually look for a cabinet grade finish. I don't go usually into the home centers and get my paint for that, even though that there are a couple good brands now out there that work pretty good that I've tried. But really, I like to go into the professional paint store and walk in there and say, okay, I'm painting my cabinets. What finish do you have? Because you can't just use the regular latex you'd paint the wall with because it's going to be too soft. You need something that's got a, a harder kind of shell finish to it to hold up to that because if you go order brand new cabinets from a home center or from a custom cabinet place, many times that's a baked on finish where it's gone into an oven and they've cured it like your car. But one little trick when you're doing knobs and handles, I always like before I'll prime them, I'll, I'll get everything primed. And then what I do is I put my knobs and handles on those doors and drawer fronts before I painted. Cause if I ever made a mistake on the drilling, I can go back and patch that's it. That's good. Yep. See, and then it's secret. that much easier. People have learned this process before you. So take from the professionals and know that <laughs> you don't have to make the same mistake. So prep, proper yep. paint. And then, yep. so what, what's, what's in style for hardware now? Is there anything that, I mean, you being a kitchen and bath guy by trade, what, like, what are people looking at now? You know, sometimes you have no handles. Sometimes you have like a smooth handle. Sometimes you have more um, you know, fashion to the handle. What's, is it still like a clean line? Like what's in style now? You know, really, first off, I'd say always use a handle or knob because especially if you're putting the paint on yourself, you want to actually have something to take that durability and, and make it last longer as far as the paint finish, because your hands are still going to chew it up. So always have a handle or knob on there. So you don't wear that away. It also keeps rings and fingernails and stuff. When we come back, let's talk about what's in and hot 
for handles and knob selections right now. And one little secret that we'll talk about too with that, we'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns. talking kitchen refresh today and Carolina we've been just debating kind of these kitchen things about you know especially when it comes down to having to clean that kitchen and get it ready for painting and it's when you're doing that it's a good time to kind of assess what's going on in that kitchen do you have water damage Mm. do you have bugs because you're gonna empty this kitchen out before you do any of this and you're gonna find things that maybe you don't really want to Isn't find. that always the case, Eric? Like you just, as soon as you go to do a project and everybody knows this, it's five of the projects that appear because you've decided to do one project. Why is that? Why <laughs> is it never that you just work on a house and do one thing? It's constantly like, uh oh, this happened. Like with my basement, it became the basement yeah. flooded. Then it became the pallets were bad. Then it became uh, the smell wouldn't go away. Then it became the spider. I had speaking of bugs because we were talking about bugs uh-huh. in the earlier episode. I had the spider appear. I must have wrecked his house. He was as huge as my hand. And he, he ended up somehow upstairs on the second floor with his like he looked like a brown recluse. I'm like, this thing's definitely yep. going to bite me. <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, they happen here. We just started having them pop out, you know, cause Ugh. it's, you know, it's kind of midsummer and they're starting to, to, to get out, you know, they're like full size here Oof. now and we don't have too many poisonous spiders here in our area, but man, they look, uh, super sketchy. Ominous. Spiders. Yeah. I just, I, I have a real aversion and a fear of spiders. Like I, I don't know. I, ever since I was a kid, they really freak me out. Julie's the same way. I didn't like it when I was down in El Salvador because we had these spiders down there that were these red tarantulas that were poisonous and they would jump out of the ground. And so there'd be the holes about the size of a pencil and they would pop out of this little hole in the ground right in front of you when you're walking. Oh my God. And, and, oh yeah, it was, I was not a fan of that, especially when I'm camping outside. And so the next trip I went down there, this is kind of my, my thing. I went out and ordered online a bunch of plastic tarantulas and I threw them in people's. Oh, come on. Um, it's like torture. Yeah, I threw them in their sleeping <laughs> oh bags my God. as the trip went on and nobody could figure out who was doing it, but it was oh, me. Like, I was throwing that's them not even funny. Bag. You'd give someone like me a heart attack. <laughs> I mean, spiders kill things. They wrap up their prey, they bite them and inject venom. I don't know how people can think, oh, it's just a spider. Like, I feel like they want to do that to you. Like, if they're in the bed with well, you. My, I have an ex-wife that was a lot like that, too. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we were talking kitchens here when we went to break. And you had asked a great question about what is hot in hardware, right? What are people doing? <laughs> You know, if you're going to be there for a while, I always say go with a knob because you have one hole in the door and drawer front. And if you get tired of that in five to 10 years down the road, you can always replace it with another knob. You don't have to worry about a handle 
Because, you know, the handles will have all the different drilling patterns of how wide those two yeah. places where they fasten to the cabinets on. There's probably four or five different standard sizes, but it's always hard to find something that's going to match. So if you're ever doubtful of your hardware selection, a handle is the harder way to go because you might have a hard Matching time it. replacing that. that. That's a really good one. Now, color-wise, yeah, color-wise is... is you know, brass, brushed brass are big out there, but multicolor metals, this is about the third year that they're big. So that could be a, a flat black and a brushed brass, or, you know, that is what's in right now is kind of those, those different multi, you know, two-tone colors. And you can have fun with that because what you can do is you can do that on the hardware. Maybe you've got a two-tone hardware, like a handle that's two colors like that, but your faucet is one of those two. You know, and you can kind of play around, but you just have to make sure you don't have too many metals going on because like anything, it can be too much. of a good And who sets the trend? So when we're looking at these trends, like, so say you're about to do a kitchen and you say, I, I really want to do the latest trend. When does that come out? Does it come out at the home builder show? Like when will you see a lot of these new trends? So like someone who's going to do their kitchen say, Hey, maybe I want to wait and see what the latest trend is. It's like a car, right? So where do they go to get that information and how do you know what that trend might be or get an inkling of where it's going to come from? It used to take a long time for trends to come out. And that's why we saw, oh, that's a 60s look and that's a 70s look and that's an 80s look. Because what happened is, is the designer would go out and select, you know, the, the, the time of a process from the time the designer said, hey, let's do this before it showed up in a magazine was like two a years. Long time. So what would happen is the designer would go, oh, this is great. They'd use it. Six months later, it would show up at the job site. Nine months later, the project was done. They'd get a photographer the following year would show up in a magazine. So it could be 18 to 24 months from the time that designer said, let's go with this to when you'd see it in a magazine. Yeah. Well, now yeah, changing so I can, fast. as a designer, I could be meeting with a client and they've got my idea up on Instagram before they've left the office. Isn't right? that wild? It's changing. So it's dramatically changing quickly. I see it. Like you turn around and you're like, wait, that's a new cabinet. This is a new faucet. And yep. And so what happened was, is that you would see it come out in a magazine, but manufacturers would now take another year or two for them to even get a hold of that because the manufacturer saw it the same time in the magazine as you did of your new design idea. And so it would take them 12, 24 months. So it could take four or five years for a trend to go around. Now things are just pivoting so quickly, but most of the styles you're seeing as far as what manufacturers are doing are coming out at the uh, design and construction week every year that's at the uh, end of January, early February. Uh, it's either in Orlando or Las Vegas. That's when those things come out. But the problem that you see too, though, is that so many people out there end up getting their ideas from the home centers or Target or any one of these different stores. And usually by the time that they've shown up at those retail locations, it's late, yeah. you're halfway through that design yeah. stuff. So where do you, um like, so as a, a homeowner, someone that's listening to the show that wants to get ideas for their kitchen and, and the latest and the greatest, where do you recommend that they go? Whether it's a website, whether it's, you know, maybe go to one of the shows, because you can. I mean, the public can go to these shows if they want to. So some of them, that, that one, uh, that one there, you have to be in the industry to go to that one, for okay. instance. So you're a little more, a little tough on getting that one worked out. Let's talk about that when we come back, because other than house, there's some other some great stuff as well out there. Some other little secret sites. We'll talk about that just as soon as Around the House returns. You know, two things I want to get 
this is Farewell Angelina, and you're listening to Around the House with Eric G. with Eric G and Caroline B. We're in here talking kitchen and bath stuff and really focusing on that kitchen today. Caroline, this is one of those topics that so many people get scared of because that kitchen is such an overwhelming it and is. kind of expensive it's project. It's like the right? biggest project you're going to do. And I think when you look at the kitchen outside of your your basic um appliances, right? I mean, most people they'll fix yeah. the appliances first because they, it's so daunting to do all the cabinetry and the sink. And so, right. They'll be like, Oh, I'll give it a fresh up. I'll just fix the appliance. And then you look and you're like, Oh crap, I really need to do the cabinets. I really need to do the countertops. So yeah, it's daunting. And we're here to make that easier for you. And so Eric's got some good tips. I'm very, very, um, I like to be cutting edge and I like to do things other people aren't doing. So I want to know where I can go to really get good ideas um, the newest products, what's really available and not get something that has already been done or is going to be outdated by the time I get my kitchen done. Yeah. First off, I would stay away from the uh, DIY networks and HD TVs because many times those things were recorded years ago mm. and many times are recorded in Canada where maybe that building code is going to be different or it's not available in the U.S. or it's a different product altogether. So my first place that I recommend is go to house. Because many designers and contractors will put up their recently completed projects up there. That project will show up on house, for instance, before it shows up. Is that house.com? Where do they go to see that? Yeah, yeah house.com. That is, yeah, it's house.com. Mm -hmm. And it's that's an easy one. Uh, it's kind of like Pinterest. But any of these kind of picture websites, there's some things you need to keep in mind. Like, Caroline, how many times have you seen a house picture where they have that big chandelier over the bathtub, mm. right? <laughs> well, that doesn't meet electrical code in the U.S. because it's a safety thing. They don't want you standing up in that bathtub, reaching up and grabbing an electrical fixture, or that fixture could come loose from the ceiling and land in the bathtub like it's the toaster <laughs> and someone's trying to knock you off. So some things just but aren't But I can't legit. tell you how many... Yeah, how many times have I had a client go, I want to do this, and they have on their phone that picture of another country or even just an illegal installation of that going, well, I found it on the internet. Can't we do that? <laughs> and the answer usually is no. Um, and we'll talk about this on another show, but that's where some contractors will go in and put up that electrical box in the ceiling and put a cover plate on it. And then after they're done with the project, the homeowner will go back in and install that uh, beautiful wow. chandelier over the bathtub. Denied. Yep. You don't want to be doing that. Denied. No. So that's that, that happens more than you think it does, but that is unfortunately the case. Many times you just can't do that. 
and keep it. Safe. Well, people get ideas so in their head and they want to make it happen. Right. And I, and I, I could sure. be um, accused of that too, but you have to do it in a safe way. Cause I think people are looking to be innovative. I mean, I think there's some people who yeah. are traditionalists, but for the most part, if I'm going to do a big project, I really want to have cutting edge, whether it's, you know, uh, my keyless entry, we're talking about doors. Um, they have a new system where you can just put your finger up against the, you know, your fingerprint and you go yep. right in your front door. I think that's really cool. So like things like that, yeah. if you're really an innovator, like we need to get the right information. So house.com, that's what you're recommending. As far as yeah. House.com is one that's really good. Those guys have some good stuff up there. And then, you know, I hate to say it, leaning on your designer is a big one mm. because they have some knowledge of what works and what doesn't. And if you're going to be working on a kitchen and you're going to be working on something like that, even if you're doing a major refresh where maybe you're not swapping out cabinets, but you're doing some other stuff in there, a few hours with the designer will always save you money because they're going to help guide you down the road to get the project completed. And they're the one that can also go, um, have you ever thought of this? And by the way, this probably won't work like you think it is. And from a markup, and so, from a markup standpoint, Eric, how much should someone be paying for a designer? So like if you're doing a kitchen, what is the appropriate amount of money that the designer should be taking? Is it 10%? Is it 15%? 20%? I mean, and, and It depends on what the what it is, because here's why. There are some designers out there that won't mark the products up at all, but they will charge by the hour. And so their hourly rate is going to be higher than if they're giving you an hourly late rate with the percentage on the materials. Mm -hmm. And so I like to really kind of have an open book with the designer. You have to kind of negotiate that out. Now, here's some of the problems that you run into. And this is a, a struggle in the design community that I know it's very torn. And we could bring five designers on here and we'd have the most grand argument of which is better. For a homeowner, there's a problem if you have the designer who's marking the products up and then you've got another plumber or electrician or contractor working on it because that plumber or the electrician, when they install something, they're going to warranty it if that went through their books. Correct. So I don't like getting in the middle of this where you've got those products that are bought by the designer, the plumber's installing it in a year from now, you've got a warranty issue and the plumber goes, I don't know, man, you gave me the stuff. It's your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, now you're paying and the product warranty, they'll get you a replacement part, but you're paying to have that fixed. I would prefer to have that contractor buy it. So his plumber puts it in. Mm -hmm. And so now that's covered by that warranty. That's where it starts to save you some money. And I think you get a better warranty on the install when that contractor owns that material and the labor because if you've got a one-year warranty or a two-year warranty, whatever that contractor gave, that's where it's going to save you some money if you're paying somebody to do, the, to do that. Otherwise, if you're supplying the materials yourself as a homeowner, for instance, if the plumber shows up and goes, hey, uh, you're missing some parts here, mm -hmm. you're now the, the errand boy. You have to go track that down for the plumber because you're the one bringing the materials in. Yep. I mean, traditionally, when you go to a designer, um, who picks the the hardware, right? Who's picking uh, the sink? And I mean, I remember like when I went, I think we ended up picking the actual faucet and things like that. She, she did not, uh, she picked the the sink and what went in the cabinetry, but we picked the hardware. So, I mean, what. 
it's all different. I mean, it's depending on if you walk in as a homeowner, if you walk into the designer and go, okay, I'm designing this entire kitchen remodel around this faucet and this sink when you've already got it. Most of the time, the designer is going to be there to help you, one, get the right materials to fit within the budget, and two, to make sure that they all play nice together, that you don't have it looking like, uh, you know, Liberace's yard sale in there. Yeah. And having too many different things going on. So if the designer, you, you're working with a designer, you can expect that they'll probably be what, a 10, 15% markup? I mean, what, you know, what do you? I'd probably say many times you've got a 15% markup. Okay. Um, you might see it a little bit less. You might see it more. But that's the negotiation you need to sit down before you start even designing on the project. How do they work? Understand how they work and have a very open book concept of how this goes. Because you want to know what those markups are so everybody can manage it. Because I don't want to see the designer be marking that up 15%. And then the contractor's marking it up another 15%. And that's where you have to be really careful with this stuff. And this is the hardest thing in a remodel to navigate is to find out how it's going. Because let's be honest, an open book for the design community out here. These are some of the insider secrets that I want you to pay attention to as a homeowner is that contractor probably has a better discount off that product than the designer does. So let's say the contractor that's your remodeler walks into a plumbing store and says, okay, I get 40% off this place mm-hmm. as a discount off of retail. That designer might only get 15 or 20%. Correct. So if that contractor is marking that up 15%, you've got a big savings. You're already getting 15 or 20% off of what the retail would have been. If you would have walked in there as, you know, Mrs. Smith homeowner, Mm -hmm. you already got a big savings there, but you're going to be paying more retail maybe with that designer. So understand how those things go and who's putting their hands in what pot. So you're careful to understand how these costs go because otherwise you can end up paying if you're not careful 20% more than the, what the retail is. So that's what I want you to be careful with. Well, and sometimes too, like, you know, we sell at my company, we sell dehumidifiers, we sell all kinds of indoor air quality products and we're a distributor, right? So there's different yeah. grades. You have your distributor, then you have your contractor rate, then you have your retail price. So if you buy from someone who actually is a distributor and some contractors are, some plumbers are distributors, yeah. they can actually do a lot better on pricing. So unfortunately it's a lot of headache because you got a price shop. But if you really are on a budget, you have to be aware that there are these markups. You're going to be paying this and you have to incorporate that into your process when you're trying to figure out how you're going to budget for this. And I think people forget that. They just look at something and they say, "Okay, the cabinets are going to cost me 15,000. And then you have to realize you've got all these other, you know, expenses going in with it. Yeah, what I worry about is the designer marketed up 15%, the contractors marketed up 15%, (laughs) and you just compounded this all up. And so that's where it starts to get expensive for you. Hey, when we come back, uh, let's talk a little bit about something here that's kind of interesting. I really want to talk about bugs, right? Bugs. Should we do our interview here this next one? Yeah, we got to get rid of bugs. And and naturally, I'm non-toxic bug removal. Key. You got it. We'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns. It's Eric G with Around the House. Are you looking to grow your business? Need a spokesperson for your company? Maybe an MC for an upcoming trade show? Or maybe you want to up your game and shoot some promotional videos? My team of experts would love to chat with you. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com and fill out the contact us form, and we'll set something up. Thanks for listening to Around the House. 
with Eric G. and Caroline B. where we talk home improvement, everything between the fences every weekend. Well, we've got a special guest here in the studio today from Repel and Refresh.com. We've got Inga. Welcome to the show, Inga. Hey, Inga. Good morning. I like morning, Eric. This product is, what she's offering, Eric, is coming at like the most amazing time. I was at the concert this weekend, went to see Sticks. It was amazing. Lots of stories to tell, but... On my blanket, I was pulling ticks left and right. Little deer ticks right off the blanket. One would disappear. Next one came. So Inga's got something for us, I think. For me, anyway. Absolutely, Inga. Let's talk about that a little bit about what you got going on. Thank you very much. Yes, I call it industrial chic. And <laughs> nice. uh, the website is repelrefresh.com. There really is nothing like this on the market. I created this because I didn't see it on the market. Um, it is instead of a commercial air freshener and instead of a commercial roach repellent or roach spray, this is an all natural organic made simply with a little vinegar, essential oils, a little nice. alcohol, antibacterial and, and distilled water, <laughs> um, sp- completely safe, pet safe, kid safe, aromatherapy, uh, uh, allergy safe. So we can use this spray. Like, so if I go out, I was at a concert, I put my blanket down. I want to keep ants and bugs and all this good stuff from coming off my blanket while I'm trying to enjoy a show. You spray yes. this, the perimeter around. It's all natural, safe for pets, safe so for the family. The whole blanket, the whole blanket, spray the blanket, spray your coat. Really? I mean, six, you know, six inches away. Right. But mm-hmm. it lands and it's a, it's a, it's a nice strong odor, you know, and it repels them. It is a nice layer of protection. I believe people like, you know, us um, wellness warriors who know about essential oils know the power of it. Um, A lot of people who bring them along or who use little bottles. I tried to make a nice, easy bottle that you can bring along, clear your air, uh, add a layer of protection when it, you know, when it falls, Mm -hmm. spray. It looks good too, right? It's like an easy to use. I can throw that in my bag, right, Eric? You'd use that around the house. I mean... I, I'm always looking for things around the house that are natural and organic. I don't want to use a lot of toxic stuff. And I'm a little more cognizant of that than Eric is. Eric will use break clean. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. no, and I, that's kind of wanted to make it this industrial chic bottle where it's not very girly either. I want a guy uh-huh. to pick it up. A guy Eric, yep. would you pick it up? We got to, the test is would Eric pick it up? Would you pick up a natural yeah, bug absolutely. spray? Absolutely. Yeah, it's got a cool little green and black logo on it. It's cool. Yeah. Right? Peppermint cypress, lemongrass orange, or tea tree lemon. Three really wonderful scents. Right, I, Inga, because I, I, I put these for myself in my house. I use them That's every great. day. Repel you know, and um, refresh.com. I like it. Yes. Well, just repel, so, refresh, not add, just repel, refresh. The, the, repel, it's called refresh, R&R because it says it repel and refresh R&R, but the website is just repelrefresh.com. Nice. Okay. And so if you've got you know, let's say you're living in an apartment someplace and you've got roaches run, running around and stuff like that. Yes. If you keep it clean and then you can use that around as a, an, another cleaner slash air freshener and it'll repair, repel those bugs away, it sounds like. Exactly. Yes. Like, listen, it's New York and or Chicago or Miami, wherever you are. I've been places. I've lived in uh, I, I stayed with a friend in Beverly Hills last year in Beverly Hills. It was a beautiful home. Um, but with the outdoors, they just come in, you know. So it once you spray this around the house and you can be completely you can breathe it in. It, it, will, it will change the odor, whatever you're cooking. It'll add it, even if you would like a new fresh odor like lemon or lemongrass or the peppermint. Um, so 
that's a lovely thing that it does. But then when it lands on surfaces, when it lands on surfaces, it it um it will repel critters. Like what a nice. wonderful thing to do, right? Like thank you. When other when other chemicals and products land on your surfaces, okay, thanks, right? <laughs> like thanks. <laughs> then, then like you touch them, you put your fingers to your mouth. Like you know, you know. Um, well, Eric, people. as a man, as an Eric, like if you see a bug, Eric, what's your first inkling? Like, I know I'm more conscious of that because I've been in the wellness industry for 20 years. But like if you see something, are you going to go for your, a traditional commercial grade um, insecticide? No, not inside my house, just because I've got dogs and everything else. So I, I don't go for that. But, uh, you know, many times I just go and and kill it and get rid of it with my, you know, I'll grab a paper towel <laughs> and go man. kill it. <laughs> Yeah, I just go kill it. It's just it's just what it is. There's not a, you know, the only thing that's probably a little different is if I've got some wasps or hornets inside the house, then I might get a little crazy with that. But to be honest, yeah, I just go kill it. But if I had something that was repelling them, I'm not I'm not I'm not concerned about them being out in the wild. I just don't want them in my in my living sphere inside. So right. if there's yeah. something I can do to keep them and not have to go kill so many of them, awesome. I I, I like the spiders outside. They keep the other bugs down. But yeah. if they're inside the house, guess what? And unless it's a daddy long legs thing that I just grab with my hand and throw right. them back outside, <laughs> the other ones are going to bite me. Yeah, no, they're done. I'm going to take them down. Have a wasp, so Eric, like yellow jackets. You gave me that why. Remember the why? Um... Yeah, those I trap. You know, those those are a little aggressive. So I'm not going to just go go smacking around at those. I don't want to get stung, but you know, again, a good trap works its thing. And but again, if I can do something that's going to keep them away from me. That peppermint, awesome. Olga, you, um, Inga, th- that you recommended, the peppermint um, works really well for um, wasps and yellow jackets. Cause I know they told me to make up a soap, uh, a soap concoction of soap and peppermint and spray the nest, but you got to do it when they're not active. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm glad with the internet and people and the information, the good information is getting out there. Some crazy information out there, but I think the right people get aligned with the right information when it comes to uh, finding the right, the most basic, effective, you know, this has been effective for centuries. So I don't really need studies and stuff. This is just like, it's like a gift to the world. It's my gift to the world because it's, and especially like you said, and to pets, when you said you had pets, it broke my heart to see families I would visit with pets that would spray commercial air products. And I would think about them, like it lands on them too. It's not nice. It's not fair. Like, or it lands on their skin. And then they wonder why their their, their pets have issues or why they have issues. It, it's exactly. kind of like, like ding, ding, ding. It's coming from all that stuff you're spraying around that you're breathing in into our lungs and stuff. So this is the most basic I want people to really feel comfortable using this, you know, and yes, hopefully with daily use, they just won't come around. Right. The point is just to have a nice layer. They'll go other places. I'm not, I'm not uh, offering to kill anything. Yep. This isn't called kill and refresh. It's, it's <laughs> you know, like, um, and if I listen, I believe in uh, reincarnation and circle of life, but if there's like a brooch or something, I, I will kill it and try to get rid of it. Right. And yep. then clean the area. But then <laughs> how do you prevent them from coming back? Repel refresh. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah. Eagle, what's the best way? We're going to have to run out to break. What is the best way for somebody to track this stuff down if they wanted to put some in their home? Repelrefresh.com. It's uh, from the website. It's Shopify. And until we get into stores, you can just call, uh, you know, call uh, order it from repelrefresh.com. Thanks, Inga. Perfect. Thanks for coming on today. We'll be right back. Come on. 
it's Eric G from around the house. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.